Minutes from Latvia with Mike Collier. Well, welcome back to Minutes from Latvia, the uh, bi-weekly podcast uh, brought to you by Latvia Sabio Disky Media, Latvian public media. I'm uh, Mike Collier and I'll be with you for the next half hour or so. I'm delighted to say I've got another guest in the booth here with me because otherwise it would be quite a boring podcast with just me talking to myself. And this week it's Gustav Strenger, who I'm delighted to have with me. He's the chief researcher at the... Well, not chief. I'm not organizing work of other people. I'm a senior researcher. A senior researcher. You see, this is a very specifically Latvian uh, uh, definition that we have to get it very, very correct. Okay, so you're the senior researcher at the uh, Latvian National Library and a co-curator. Can I go that far to say? Yeah. <laughs> a curator, co-curator of the permanent exhibition of the National Library called Book in Latvia. Yeah, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, we'll be talking about that in the second half of the podcast. Um, but as we're speaking today on uh, Wednesday, uh, tonight is one of the main events in the Latvian cultural calendar, the Lielais Kristaps, or as you would say, like big Christopher <laughs> uh, film awards, which is sort of the Latvian Academy Awards, really. Now, not a lot of films get made in Latvia each year, so it's usually uh, sort of three or four who are kind of really in, in the running. Uh, what's your sort of take on the Latvian film scene uh, at the moment? I mean, is it healthy? I mean, all film industries in all countries always complain that they're underfunded, that they can't compete with, you know, Hollywood or but here sometimes can't compete with like Russian movies and so on, which is a, a sort of second market we have here. But they still seem to get made and seem to be some pretty good ones among them. I suppose the problem is that uh, Latvian filmmakers, they don't have enough practice. It means that if you're writing a book, it's very good that you write as much as possible and you, that you have that you're able to do that to do your writing because if not always but if you practice more the quality of the things you write is getting better same thing i suppose is true with uh, filmmaking if uh, every year our state is able to f uh, finance only one or two or three motion pictures situation, I mean, the quality of these motion pictures not always is the best. And the problem is that if you watch um, last few Latvian movies which have come out in the last few years, they are all very existential. Yeah. Because you have got money only for a few projects and they're making really existential movies like Modris movie about young man who commits few crimes and then is Im imprisoned uh, or a movie Palno Santori of uh, Dav Siemens uh, Ash Sanatorium about one mental hospital in Courland during the First World War. These two movies, they are examples for that that these are very existential mm. films. They are not bad they're good but if you only have such films offered for Latvian public, then they think, well, our filmmakers are capable of only making really hard stuff. Mm. Well, I think this also plays a bit into something of a cliche or, 
you know, an assumption that people make about not just Latvian films, but Eastern European, Central European films in general, that they are all these kind of very bleak, art house, existential films where people are staring out at a snowscape for hours and, you know, contemplating suicide. But that given, I mean, that's that's not a fair reflection. And I think... Something else that's happening this week is, well, has been happening for a few weeks, is people are celebrating the 80th birthday of Janis Streitz, who's a sort of legendary Latvian filmmaker who I think is the exact opposite of that uh, tendency, in that even though his films are very intelligent, uh, they're very human, they're very warm, and are actually sort of beloved by ordinary people. I was just wondering if you could, you know, tell us what do you think Streitz means to you and sort of to Latvia in general? Exactly, Mike. Jan Streitz is the very opposite of that. Uh, his kind of cinema or filmmaking is uh, quite opposite to that, what we see nowadays. Uh, his approach, I would say, is he talks about existential things in a funny way. And um, his all movies, not all of them, but at least two or three movies are part of Latvian modern-day folklore. I mean, uh, some expressions said, for example, in the movie Cilvaka Bands about uh, Latgala from where he is coming from. Uh, there are many expressions which some Latvians use, even not if they're not from Latgala, they're using their everyday life. And uh, I suppose he has given some kind of quintessence of Latvian identity, or at least part of it. But he has made most of his movies during the Soviet time, so he was not able to be social critical. Although, if you remember film Limousine Zainak Skrasa, it is, it criticizes society, it, it, it criticizes people in a very light way through very well written script and well-written humor, but still it is a bit critical. Yeah, I mean, that's a very, very funny film. And I, I personally think that anyone who really wants to try and live in Latvia or understand Latvia should be made to watch that film at a very early stage. And the clever thing about it is it is very, very funny, but also, uh, bearing in mind it was made during the Soviet period, these sort of social jokes. You know, there are social climbers in there. It's all about aspiration, ultimately, to get this car, isn't it? And mm. everyone's trying to sort of uh, outdo each other. But as you say, it's done in a light-hearted way, but behind it, there is a very, very sharp, you know, satirical edge to it, which I think is, is often missed. And again, it's one of these things where everyone can quote lines from the film and, and uh, you know, you'll see some sort of landscape and people will sort of say, you know, limousine, you know, sort of place. I mean, I often drive through the village of Reiskums where it was yeah. filmed and, you know, I get a little tingle every time I, every time I see a certain hill, you know, it's great. Um, I should also mention that he's done quite a broad range of different sort of subject matter. And one film that I know Latvian women in particular seem to relate to is Teatris, theatre, which is an adaptation of a Somerset Maugham um, short story, well, a, a, a short novel, actually which, I mean, Maugham, surprisingly, is, I think, the most adapted writer on the screen. And I would say that Theatris is actually one of the best Somerset Maugham adaptations that have ever been made because it does have this very strong central female protagonist quite ahead of her time as well who's who totally dominates the film and, and you know, you really like her even though she's by no means a sort of angel, is she? 
And it was the one of the main roles of our grand dame mm-hmm. of Latvian theater and cinema, V. Artman. So she was, I mean, if I'm reminded of her, she has passed away um, since, I suppose, uh, late 2000s. And if if I'm reminded about her, then her appearance in that movie kind of comes mm-hmm. into my mind because there she plays actress, also grand dame of the theater. And in, in, in her life, she was very similar to that, <laughs> what she's playing. So. But that's exactly what you want, isn't it? You know, someone who can hold the screen like that. It's interesting as well, I think, to compare Streich with uh, Raymond Pols, you know, who's a great Latvian composer. He wrote a lot of film music as well who, again, you get the feeling that uh, in a lot of other countries, you know, if he was in the U.S. or something, he would be absolutely massive. Uh, I mean, Pauls is like the Latvian national composer or folk composer to an extent, and I think Strait, to an extent, is a sort of filmic equivalent of that, where, you know, if, he, if his opportunities had been broader, there's no doubt he would have actually, you know, filled up those opportunities, I think. Yes, but on the other hand... Um Coming from a small country, coming from a small uh, culture as well, sometimes it's good that you don't have such a rife competition Mm -hmm. as, for example, in the UK or in the United States of America where there are hundreds of directors. But here, there's one talented guy who's able to do his thing more easier because the competition is Mm -hmm. not so rife. Well, staying on the idea of films, I mean, it costs a lot of money to make a film. Uh, There isn't a lot of money sloshing around in the arts uh, in Latvia, so partly the reason why not so many of them get made. But can I say, uh, Centenary is coming, and there are going to be more Latvian films made for 2018, and some of them, they have already started filming them. One of them will be about uh, 1989 and about Baltic Sesh, Baltic Way. Uh, there also will be a movie about 1905-1906 about the revolution and uh, about Latvian revolutionaries and some other adaptations of Latvian literature. And also some films for kids are also being now filmed. Yeah, well, that's great because some of the Latvian kids' films are actually fantastic and uh you know, there is always a danger, though, with uh, centenary-type projects that money gets given to projects that wouldn't have been made at other times just because they seem to have the you know, the right patriotic or historical message. You can, in, in fact, on the page of the Latvian centenary, you can see the descriptions of all film projects being financed by this money, and you see that there are not so many patriotic films, and that's kind of... Good, because I suppose in 2018 we're going to see lots of Latvian movies. Great. Well, um, I I was just getting on to the the idea of sort of funding in the arts, and there's not that much money going around. But we this week had a member of the uh, Fiscal Discipline Council, which is a sort of quasi-independent body that's supposed to give straightforward financial advice and keep an eye on the the balance of the nation's economy and so on, saying that maybe money could be siphoned off from the arts and given to healthcare. I mean, is that, I mean, it strikes me as just being uh, a sort of tokenistic thing because I'm sure there's not that much, (laughs) you know, money in arts to, I don't know, treat a ward full of people, let alone build a hospital. Mr. Plattais from this council said that proportionally in Latvia we're spending more on culture than in Europe in general. But the problem is that also our cultural minister, uh, 
commented his comments mm. uh, after that, saying that parts of the funding which we see as a, in the budget as a funding have gone to the construction of the National Library. So it's kind of the funding itself for art projects for the institutions is smaller than it, it appears in last few budgets. But I suppose you have to understand that for last two decades, Latvian culture has been financed not enough quite badly. So it means that um, people who are involved in cultural projects have felt inferior all the time. They um, also, the itself the building of the National Library, the whole building process showed how it's difficult to convince politicians and also to convince taxpayers mm -hmm. and the society that you should build large buildings uh, for large buildings of national importance for the cultural institutions. And we still in Riga, although we are very proud of that, that we have numerous classical musicians coming from Riga who are world famous, we don't have a good concert hall. And that's another question, whether we will be able to build one uh, in the next few years. But I think the comments of Mr. Plata is although he's coming from the sphere of finances where they're checking and rechecking every fact, I suppose that he hasn't done his own fact-checking well. <laughs> well, I guess the other factor when you're comparing with other countries is that the size of the market in Latvia is so small that you know, you, in, in many countries you can have a relatively... You know, a relatively successful art project. I don't know whether it's a, a piece of music or a, an exhibition or something, and it will generate some sort of money. Whereas, because we're talking about you know, Latvian language for a Latvian audience, you know, in a country of two million, um, some sort of support is. I mean, if you're going to cast it completely to the open market, then nothing is going to get made, is it? I suppose that in Latvia, the question of financing our own culture—it's a question of national identity, who we are. I'm not this very nationalistic person who would say that culture alone is defining us and defining our difference from others, but still I suppose it's a very important factor in creating our own distinct library, um, sorry, not library, identity in a, in a diverse Europe. Great. Well, thanks very much. We'll bring the first half of the podcast to a close with that and we'll be back in a few minutes with a more detailed discussion of the library. Oh, the library. <laughs> minutes from Latvia with Mike Collier. OK, well, welcome back to Minutes from Latvia with me, Mike Collier, and my guest today, Gustav Strenger. And we're going to be talking about a particular exhibition which is taking place at the Latvian National Library. Uh, opened, when did it open? It was about a m month or two ago. It was opened uh, on the 29th of August, uh, the day when the library, the National Library of Latvia was founded in 1919. Ah, right. Our birthday. And it's called Book in Latvia. Uh, as the name suggests, it's about the, the book in Latvia. It's history, uh, means of production, and so on. Uh, I visited it quite early on, and it, it's a really genuinely great exhibition. I really, really enjoyed it. 
I speak as a bibliophile, so Thank I you. was kind of predisposed towards liking it. But um, that was before I even knew that you were involved. So I was, I was kind of uh, viewing it on a, on a neutral basis, and I found it fascinating. I think you saw me, actually, when I was there, standing next to some of the display cabinets, just scribbling away in my book, and it's come in really, really useful ever since. So I'm just wondering, can you just tell us a bit about the background of the exhibition, how it came to be, and what its central themes are? Yes. Mike, this is the permanent exhibition of the National Library of Latvia, and in fact it's intended to be a kind of a book museum, because if you go to different national libraries in the world, they have their own exhibition halls or exhibition premises where they are showing their books from their own collections. And uh, there is a certain prehistory for our permanent exhibition, and uh, that is the one of um, Latvian book historian Alexei Sapinis, who in 1960s opened such exhibition on Latvian book history in uh, Jakaba Iela, where there was uh, one branch of the National Library located there. And his intention was to create exhibition in which you can tell the story of not only of book printing, but also of reading, also a story of uh, Latvian national uh, book history. And when the project of the new National Library was developed, director Andres Wilkes right away said, we should have such an exhibition in the new National Library building. And it is his idea that this exhibition should be created, and he was all the time involved in it. And we came a group of younger people together, um, me and uh, also writer Paul Smankovskis, my colleague Maya Uzol-Petrovska, and the leader of our project, um, Inga Sorgunte. So we worked for at least one and a half a year together with our experts in the library and also outside the library to create this exhibition. And in the in the exhibition, we're telling the story not only chronologically, but we also want to show relationship between reader and the book, between power and the book, and also the role of the book in our spiritual life. So this exhibition is not only about the years, about the events, but it is also about senses, about feelings, about spiritual experiences, and about power and not only how political power uses the book but also how what kind of power books have on us how they in fact influence our lives so in a sense this exhibition had been sort of dormant since the 60s but was it a matter of waiting for there to be a suitable national library in order to realize it uh, yes but I have to say that we created, for this exhibition, we created very new concept. We definitely used the work of Alexei Zapins and other book history experts who have been active in 60s, 70s and 80s, but we developed, we tried to develop a modern approach mm. towards a book history, less nationalistic, uh, showing, not drawing lines between Baltic Germans and Latvians in history, and uh, also not just talking about history, but talking about some things which 
spectators can relate to. Well, I remember when I was there, you, you came and you gave me something to smell. So it wasn't just a sight, but there was sounds and smells as well. And uh, it was a good old bone glue, which I think you were quite surprised that I knew what it was because we used to have it as well. <laughs> but mentioning this uh, idea of the multifaceted nation, uh, um, uh, nature of uh, uh, book publishing here, I mean, I think it's interesting that in Latvia, you have these parallel publishing worlds. You have Latvian, you have German, you have Russian, you have Jewish, uh, you know, Hebrew uh, literature, all happening at the same time and to some extent influencing each other. Uh, that's something, um, a sort of incredibly intoxicating mix that you don't often get in a lot of other countries. Mm, yes, and, and there's one, also one quite important feature. Until the 1990s, since the late 16th century when the book printing began here in Latvia. The books were rarely exported to somewhere else. So basically the problem of print, of typographies and of publishing houses here in Latvia um, always was that there's a large German book market in Germany and, and, and here the elite spoke German and, and to, whether to publish the same books which are published in Germany or to publish something that you need to uh, mm -hmm. use here. I mean, the, we're, we're, uh, some kind of calendars or uh, hymnals or mm -hmm. books for the local usage. Now, in fact, it has changed. We're not in the exhibition. We're not talking about modern-day Latvian print business. But uh, today, if we look, then Latvia is a book exporter more than importer because we have at least uh, three or four large companies which are exporting, printing and exporting mm. books, mainly to Scandinavia and also Germany. In a, in a way, there's a little bit of a parallel with what we were talking about earlier with the films in that you know, we have printing houses here who are uh, exporting, as you say, and in the film world we have... Uh, a lot of foreign companies coming here and using Riga as a location or using the production facilities here. Yes, and it's quite interesting that uh, we have printing houses which are really successful, but the problem is that uh, publishing houses which are publishing books in Latvian, they are in great difficulties because last year the number of publications in Latvian decreased. So it means that we have less readers and it also means the publishing houses have less money to publish books in Latvian. I'm going to ask you, which is prob probably a very difficult uh, task for you, to pick out one of the books in your exhibition which kind of particularly speaks to you or which has surprised you. For me, it was um, a late 18th century book by uh, a guy called Old Stenders, who was a, a sort of teacher and educator, a really key figure in the development of Latvian as a language and as a literary language, and a, a, a children's ABC book that he produced uh, to help um, Latvian kids read, basically. And in the front of it is a fold-out page with what are effectively 18th century stickers, little pictures to cut out and stick in to the text of the book at different places to show that you understand. Now, for me, this was absolutely wonderful. For a start, it was in 
beautiful condition still. And I mean, I was a little sad almost that the stickers hadn't been cut out by some kid, but uh, uh, I'm grateful to posterity for, uh, for, for preserving this for us. I mean, it's effectively exactly the same as the magazines you get on the magazine rack now, which give you, you know, free stickers as the incentive to buy the magazine and you can read it afterwards. Not many things have changed since <laughs> the late 18th century, haven't they? But um, I have at least two books which really have surprised me or which have had some kind of impact on me, although uh, most of them I have held in my hands and I've been living together with them for at least a year. One of them is first dictionary in Latvian, Latvian German dictionary compiled by Georg Mansell or Manselius in the 30s of the 17th century, and it was published in 1638. His dictionary is astonishing because it's not a dictionary of words, it's a dictionary of phrases. And interestingly, if you read these phrases in Latvian, it seems that the language has, in some parts of it, remained the same. Or, in fact, if we think about uh, Georg Manselius or Mansell, he was really very important figure for Latvian language because maybe he, he was a Baltic German and Lutheran minister and he was maybe the first writer who wrote in Latvian as in a mother tongue because he was definitely bilingual or mm-hmm. trilingual because he was a professor of theology in, in, in Tartu University and he definitely also spoke uh, spoke Latin at only, write, uh, wrote it. So, his language, language of Mantelius, in a way, is alive, or it appears for me to be alive. The second book which has had some kind of impact on me is a book um, from late uh, 15th century, which, which has belonged to Reynold Soltump, Cleric in Riga. And in late 15th century and 1470s, private libraries were rare, not only here in Riga, but in the whole of the northern Europe, even in Western Europe, there were not many libraries because the book printing had begun only in the uh, 1450s and still the books that cost a fortune. And we know that he had at least 16 books and maybe even more than 16 have survived in the, in the former Riga City Library, which is now... Latvijas Universitātes Akademiskā Bibliotēka or Academic Library in Riga. So it is astonishing that there was a person in the late 15th century in Riga who mm-hmm. had his own private library. And interestingly, he also wrote his own initials in the books. So he had a very personal relationship with his books. Right, well, traveling across the centuries, I think, is probably a good place to leave the podcast uh, for today. So thank you very much for for joining me. Thank you. I would urge everyone to go down to the uh, Latvian National Library. You can't miss it right next to the River Daugava there. And check out the exhibition. You may find something that's uh, equally uh, impactful uh, or speaks to you across the the centuries, as as, as we have found already. Um, I'll be back again in another couple of weeks with another Minutes from Latvia. Until then, wish you all the best or, as they say around here, Visulabu. Minutes from Latvia with Mike Collier. Produced by Renar Steimans for Latvian Public Media. Find out more at www.lsm.lv.